just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. It is a Monday afternoon, and I have our good friend Ed with me on the show. Always, Howdy. A, hey, Ed. It's always a good time to have him on, especially when there's things going on, because he brings a different perspective to all of this. And uh, before we started the podcast, we were talking about all the things that have happened. I mean, here we are Monday afternoon, and we already got a shit show worth of activity of things that are happening in this country. And, uh, you know, as much as some of these things are bad, some of them are good. We've been hearing a lot of good news lately. Um, it is great fodder for trying to do TikToks or podcasts. You and I never have a problem coming up. Well, what do we want to talk about today? There's always plenty. And nothing to worry about here. Uh, I, I do think we can afford to take a little bit of a victory lap, don't you? I mean, Biden's not going to do it. He's not a show horse. He, right. he, you know, what Trump would, if Trump had had a win, you would never have heard the end of it. You know, he would have been on TV 24-7. Oh, I'm the greatest president who ever lived, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, he didn't do shit. But uh, but Biden, you know, he gets a win. He keeps on going. He moves on to the next thing. I got to give him. I got to give him big props. I, I do, too. And, of course, what you're talking about is the passing of the inflation reduction bill. They yeah. got it through the Senate after kind of playing Mitch McConnell. I think this is a double-edged sword for the Republicans. They're pissed that it passed, yeah. not because they really think it is going to do anything bad, because it's not, but it because it makes the Democrats look good. And that's the only reason why they behave the way they do. It's all about owning the libs and trying to make us look good. Well, they passed the bill, much to the Republican chagrin, but they can't help but take a piece, a pound of flesh out of it before they do. They've got to shit on something before, even though they're losing it. And for whatever reason, well, I know what the reason is, but um, the part where they were going to limit insulin to $35, yeah. um, the parliamentarian said that somehow that's not connected to the budget or whatever. So well, because it's it's it involves outside dollars. It apply it applies to outside insurers, right. outside the government. So uh, you can't really do it with a reconcilia a budget reconciliation bill because it's not part of the budget. But you can vote on it separately. So that was what they were going to do. So what happened was the whole bill as a whole was going to be voted on by reconciliation because it has to do with the budget. And that means they only need a simple majority, meaning 51 votes, which means all Democrats and Kamala Harris. And that right. passed. But because this particular part was pulled out, now it had to be passed by a supermajority, which is 60 votes, which means you need 10 Republicans. And in spite of the fact that it was good for the people, it was help for the people just to own the libs and just to show we're against you guys. They voted against people with diabetes, which, which, which yeah. fucking amazes me. It amazes me because I'm sitting here in Tennessee, which is number five on the list of 50 states for the number of people who have to take insulin. 
yeah. because of their diet and their income and so many things. We've got that many diabetics here in Tennessee. Number five, we are, and both our senators, uh, that's uh, Marsha Blackburn and uh, Little Haggerty, her little sidekick, they both voted against it, against it. Uh, and these are constituents who, if they can't afford it, they'll try to, you know, cut back on it. They'll do things and they'll die. That's what happens. Well, did you hear about Chuck Grassley in Iowa? Oh, Chuck, yeah. Gra- Chuck Grassley <laughs> was going around after the vote and saying, yeah, I voted to protect uh, uh, the insulin part of it, to keep it under $35. I voted for it. But then a video came out that showed very queer- clearly that he voted against it. This fucking ancient motherfucker is lying to his people. Now, it's a question whether those fucking people in Iowa will believe it. My guess is, yeah, they will fucking believe it. I, I, you know, I haven't checked into it that much. I saw it and I challenged him on it and a couple of other people did, too, on Twitter. But uh, I think what he's saying is somebody offered an amendment that didn't go anywhere. Uh, that would have done that, and he voted for that. I think that's what he's talking about. But the uh, the Democrats wouldn't accept any of the amendments. Joe Manchin, in particular, said no amendments. This is it. We're going to vote on this, and that's it. So uh, I think that's what he's trying to say. Well, I voted for this amend- amendment, and if they had passed that, then my vote would have counted. But it's bullshit. We know that. It is bullshit. I mean, this is what the Republicans do constantly. The Republicans will bitch about the ACA, Obamacare, how yeah. bad it is and how, how, how things are wrong in it. And, and to an extent, they're right. There are some limitations and some things that are just bad in the ACA. Uh, but compared to the alternative and fucking nothing, which is what the Republicans want, it's better than that. But what people have to understand, the ACA, when it came to the Senate and the House, it was a much different animal. It's when they get in this Votorama thing and they start attaching shit to it or taking shit from it. The intent of the Republicans is to make this bill suck. Right. So the Democrats look bad when it passes. So the ACA in real terms was a far better bill than after the Republicans shit on it in the Votorama or whatever it is. So as much as the Republicans want to complain about ACA and, 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 and what's wrong with it, it's their fault. And it's the same with any other bill, like this situation with the insulin. Well, of course, we're we're for insulin reduction, but this was a bad bill. It's kind of like this whole bill is going to uh, have all this pork in it. They just make shit up and they say it as if it's real. And there is no pork in this fucking uh, bill, which is unusual. Right. And the, I mean, they were saying the same thing a week before about the PAC bill. Uh, for the veterans, oh, there's a slush fund, there's pork, 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 you know, and they, they went on for a week about all, how awful it was, and then they caved and voted for it. And we don't hear anything more about that, because there was no pork, there were lying flat out, right? Well, they're right. doing the same thing again, same well, thing. Well, well, the veterans bill, the only way of reason it ultimately passed is because, again, they were they were only looking to own the libs. They didn't give a fuck about collateral damage. And then when it happened, there was a shitstorm of bad publicity, and they got their asses kicked. So the only chance they had is to get it passed. The unfortunate thing for the Republicans is you can't unring the bell. People saw right. where they stood on it. Even though they caved, we know 
<laughs> that they told the fucking veterans to take a leap. We don't care about you. We're just going after the Democrats. Right. And, the, you know, just just to remind people about the uh, Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, if you want to call it that, uh, as you say, it was a much different animal when it came in. And originally it, it, it was based on something the Heritage Institute came up with, for God's sake. A, uh, they went there, they took that, and they, they uh, massaged it a little bit. But it was basically a plan that Republicans had agreed would work, right? Yeah, Mitt Romney they, was behind it, right? Right. Well, he had something similar in Massachusetts. And then the Heritage Foundation said, yeah, that looks pretty good. Let's do this. You know, and they, they wonked it up for a while. And, uh, and then Obama goes and takes that, and, they, and his, uh, his people go to work on it. The thing is, they had a public option. Uh, meaning that no uh, insurance companies were involved at all. And that would have been terrific. That's where you would have had the cost savings for really low-income people. But in order to get it passed, they had to let that go. And uh, there were a number of things in this particular bill that just passed that had to be let go. And most of those were done in negotiations behind the scenes between primarily Manchin and Schumer. And they were working on this for six, eight months, maybe right. longer, you know, right. to get this thing ready to go. And then I'm pretty sure what they did was put in the bit about uh, carried interest so that uh, they could take it out when cinema objected to it. And that made her look like she felt important and so forth. And then she was down. Oh, so, so uh, you think so that was through that was was that was planned in advance, knowing that this would be a sticking point to her, they never really needed it in the bill. They just put it in there so she could look important. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, number one, it affects only the people who manage hedge funds and private equity funds. That's the only people it applies to. And how many is that? I don't know. Uh, I'm betting it's under a thousand. Yeah. But you know, but at the but at the same time for cinema doesn't this make her look bad? Yeah, we like well, to help does, people, but we want to still give rich people money. I, I, I why would you sign on to that unless you're getting money? Because from probably well, that's probably it. Her big donors are probably hedge fund managers and private equity fund, equity fund managers. I mean, the way this stuff works, it allows a person to become fabulously wealthy. In yeah. a short amount of time, because it gives it, it lets a hedge fund manager essentially have the same tax rate as an entry level employee. Right. Well, you know, you it, know. it just goes to show what kind of representative uh, uh, cinema is. I mean, we know this bill does a lot of good, not only for people in this country, but for the climate issue and, and all of that. But she was going to hold on it until she can get a little special interest a few bucks so she can get a few bucks. That tells right. you exactly who she is. You as exactly. the general public are second, and you will only get what you get if my guys get a taste. That's it. That's pretty much exactly the way it works. And, uh, you know, now the Republicans, uh, now that they got played, which they did, they got played really well. <laughs> they did, <laughs> and, and it's hilarious. And I have to laugh at McConnell and I have to laugh at Cruz and all of these other people who think they're so bright and uh, they didn't see it coming. And, and, and it was great to see them get the, the just wipe the floor with them. 
and then threw them out the back door. Um, and there's no other way to look at it. They got they got uh, totally owned by Manchin and Schumer. I think what upsets and, I think what upsets them the most is they got fucked without getting kissed, right. but they got fucked by somebody of legal age. And I think that's yeah, the thing that bothers. That's it. That's it. You know, ten year old it would have been fine. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah it, uh, you know, here's I, a, I really do believe though that Joe Biden had a lot to do with that. The uh, the negotiations. I really believe that. I believe he was going between Schumer and Manchin. And I mean, he's been doing this for 30 years. The guy has to have picked up a little bit of finesse, don't you think? Absolutely. I, you know, if he wasn't involved, I, I, I would have to ask why. Now, here's the one thing that pisses me off about this bill. And I mentioned it to you before, and I've mentioned it on this podcast. They talked about the Build Back Better bill, the whole bill is transformational, okay? Right. So now in order to get this passed, which I think was the right thing to do, they cherry-picked certain things and they got it back, um, and they're saying this is transformational. And I get that. Yeah, they're right. It is transformational, and I'm excited that they got the bill done. It does a lot of things for this country and puts one more mark in the positive for Biden and the Democrats come the midterms. But, but but this has always been my question from Build Back Better to this one. Why is this transformational? This is supposed to be something that's helping the middle class, the people, the country, the climate. This shouldn't be a fucking oddity. This should be the essence of their job. So, you know, by giving $2 trillion to the rich people or, or $800 billion to the fucking uh, a defense department, you know, that's just business as usual. We just rubber stamp that motherfucker. But when you decide to give money back to the people, the people who provided the money in the fucking first place, that's amazing. That's new. That's what's kind of pissing me off. This shit's got to change. Oh, it does. And I was just listening. Uh, there's a guy out uh, I don't remember the name of the book. I'll see if I can track it down for you. But if you just, uh, um, basically what he's done is go back, uh, looking at, uh, recent history and, uh, saying, you know, it didn't start with Trump is what he's basically saying. And he goes back to Newt Gingrich and the contract on America. Yes, I said on America because that's what it was. This idea that you always come out vilifying your opponent. You always come out defining the other party as evil as the villain, as something to be crushed, uh, that you can't engage with and so forth. I can remember a time when every bill had two names on it and one was a Republican, one, one was a Democrat. Every bill. And that's when things got done. That's when you did your horse trading, that these two people would get together and they would hammer it out and then they would take it to leadership and say, look, this is what we came up with. Are you okay with this? And most of the time they'd say, hell yeah, that really does something. And uh, we don't do that anymore because the other side of the aisle is your enemy. And I'm, su- I'm surprised sometimes they're not shooting at each other. And if it was up to Bobert and Green, it, well, it would be. Well, that's, that's exactly it. And, and uh, speaking of that, uh, do you remember or do you re- have you read this story about uh, Lindsey Graham? talking shit about another uh another senator i think hassan uh-huh. who, who was talking who was talking against the republicans and and he just ripped her i mean he ripped her one side and down the other 
And then Chris Murphy steps in and says, whoa, wait a fucking minute. We got some rules here. You don't do that to a colleague. You just don't fucking do that. And Murphy kind of put him in his place, and then he kind of put his head down and demurred and uh, shut his fucking mouth. Lindsay, That's good to see. Lindsay is frantic right now. Oh, yeah. Because Lindsay is going to have to testify in Georgia, and he might very well be a target of Fonnie Willis in the Fulton County uh, District Court. Um, and he's frantic right now because everything he's done in his life is used power and influence to get away with shit. None of that is working now. And he's making mistakes and doing stupid shit. And uh, both Trump and Alex Jones and down Lindsay, they're going, where's my backup? Who's got my back? Nobody's got my back. What's going on here? Because nobody wants to be associated with the losers and they see they're going down and they're pulling back. That's why you didn't see anybody standing except Steve Bannon is standing up for uh, for Alex Jones. And and if Bannon's the only one standing up for you, you've got real problems. Um, well, it's not just Bannon though; it's Roger Stone too, and that's not well, surprising. Yeah. <laughs> Roger, I saw Roger Stone do a video saying uh, Alex Jones is a good man, and yeah. of course, what he says is, "I want you to go to his website." and donate to the cause for Alex Jones because he is struggling. Well, that's not going to happen. Nobody's of any uh, numbers are going to 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 uh, donate money to this fuck. This fuck is dead in the water. And other than Jones and or Bannon, for the moment, everybody's going to abandon this fuck. He is poison. Anybody that goes near him is a potential uh, collateral victim. But We some- hope so. Well, some of these people may not have a choice because, you know, with with Alex Jones uh, having all his text messages, we knew the threat was there. But now we know that all the text messages that this attorney for the, the parents got have just been turned over to the January 6th committee. And that's got to be an oh fuck moment, not only for Alex Jones, but anybody that talked to Alex Jones in and around that time. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure that's why everybody went quiet. That's why you're not seeing Trump say anything about Alex Jones, what a good man he is or anything like that. Stone already knows he's fucked. But, uh, you know, it's a flat out lie, the whole donation thing. Alex Jones was pulling at $800,000 a day. Yeah, That's $800,000 a day. Now, this this settlement, or rather this this penalty, the per, the uh, punitive damages plus the uh, the other damages, what around 60 million something like that that's gonna hurt yeah right but and then there's others that are also going to have a payday here too which they should but he's still it's not like he's going broke the guy's still got a lot of money and uh the more they can hurt him great but if they get him on the child porn if they get him on the traitor stuff then he is done so let's get him let's pile on He's done no matter what. I mean, the precedent has been set in this particular case of how much he is going to be fined in this situation or how much the parents are going to be avoided. People don't understand. This is just two parents, one couple who sued him. There are at least two other cases coming up next month in September in Texas and Connecticut. Now, Texas has some some cap or something they're going to play with, and they're going to get sued about that. It doesn't really fucking matter. Then it's going to go to Connecticut. There are 20 sets of parents of 20 kids that died 
We're yep. talking one set right now took $50 million out of his pocket. We got two more situations coming where it's going to probably be similar. And or then it, what, once, once he starts getting his ass kicked, you, you don't think the rest of these people are going to jump on board just to crush this motherfucker? Most of these people will never see the money because the money just doesn't exist after a certain point. But yeah. he is going to be ground into a fine dust. And as I said in a TikTok, he's going to be ground into a fine dust, be nobody, nowhere, doing nothing. The best possible improvement he could expect on that being dust is maybe having a dog come by and piss on it. He's fucking <laughs> done. And anybody that attaches themselves to him is in trouble. So you're going to see people walking away from him. Absolutely. And and like I say, they already are. And, and by their silence is deafening, as they say. The uh, the treason part of it, I'm sure, will also is also actionable. And uh, I think we can see him in doing some serious time. And I'm, I'm all in favor of that. But I'm, I'm really, really anxious to see who he texted, who he talked to during that uh, that particular period. He may have talked to some of the people who uh, deleted texts. So we'll get them from his side, right? Right, right, right. Exactly. Well, you know, the thing is, is as much, I don't mean to be um, insensitive, but his problems with Sandy Hook are going to be nothing compared to what he's going to have with the January 6th committee, because whatever the January 6th committee has, we know they're turning over to the DOJ. They've already turned shit over to the DOJ. Yep. It's going to be a natural progression to the DOJ. And so, so if he did anything, had any kind of communication, and here's what we know for sure. He said on television that the White House called him and said that he is supposed to leave the charge and the dumb Trumplefucks over to the Capitol. He yeah. was in the thick of this. And yeah. over and above that, he is largely responsible for the promotion of this shit. He has a huge audience, and that's all he talked about. So yep. he's going to pay. Oh, absolutely. And the, the, the other dimension of the, uh, of his trial that nobody has mentioned that I can think of, but I can remember some Fox hosts pretty much saying the same thing that Alex Jones said about Sandy Hook. I can remember what's her name? Judge Janine. I'm yeah, pretty Carol. sure. Yeah. She, I'm pretty sure she was talking about crisis actors. Uh, the guy they fired, um, um, I can't remember his name, but uh, he was doing it. Uh, I'm sure there were a number of Fox people, probably Tucker, maybe Sean Hannity, who uh, have referred to uh, crisis actors and uh, the whole Sandy Hook thing was faked and so forth. Uh, any of those people are now vulnerable as well for the well, same thing, same reason, because all of these death threats and everything that the parents got was a direct result of this kind of crap. Well, exactly. And and that, that court case and him losing. Now, remember, the reason he lost that defamation of, of, of a character case, you know why he lost, right? Because he just uh, didn't fucking show up. He, he oh, said, right, I'm too sure. big, I'm too important, I'm not going to the court <laughs> yeah. case. So he lost by default, which was a dumb fucking move. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking when he did that. But this court case may change the whole culture of, of what Trumplefucks are. Like you say, you go into Fox News or OAN or Newsmax, they all spewed the same lies. They got to be like the voting machines, and that hasn't come up yet. Right, right. So what this is 
done is put all these fucks on notice that believe they can say whatever they want, that they can lie and spew conspiracy theories. Uh, maybe we better fucking back off because not only are they scared by this court case, a lot of people in this country are saying, fuck, I can make some money. This fucker yeah. just lied on voting. I'm a voter. I'm going to fucking sue those motherfuckers and I'm going to win. They're going to have to shut up one weapon they've used basically gaslighting and misinforming the public they're fucked now they can't do it yeah let me add a wrinkle to that texas decided to outlaw abortions but they couldn't really do it right but they wanted to put a ranch in it so they said well uh, any private citizen who wants to can sue sue an abortion provider for ten thousand dollars right and uh and uh and and get the money, right? Right. And so if a hundred of them want to do it, they can. You know, they can shut down every abortion provider. Gavin Newsom out in California said, "Hmm, I think we could do that with uh, people who sell guns. Somebody sells a gun that's used in a crime. I think uh, anybody should be able to sue them for ten grand. Absolutely. I think I think uh, we may see some more of that. I mean, I think they gave us a tool." It's going to be very useful over the years. I don't really approve of it, but hell, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? Well, that's something I've always said. These people don't think beyond the end of the nose. They uh, saw Donald Trump do the things he did uh, uh, in office with complete immunity because he was the president. Now, yeah. they think they're pulling something off. They think they're doing something big because their guy's doing whatever the fuck he wants. But what they're not thinking about, they're so short-sighted, is that, well, at some point, there's going to be a Democratic president in office. Mm-hmm. And if he's of that kind of ilk, Joe Biden's not, but if there's somebody, the Democrats can do the same shit they did because they set the precedent. So, like, with this anti-abortion thing in Texas and wherever else, they set the precedent there. How do you say, well, we can do this, but you can't do that? There's no way to pull that off. Exactly. You know, and uh, the I noticed, too, that Kevin McCarthy is already saying, well, as soon as we take power, which he's, I guess, assuming they're going to do, but he may have another thing coming. As a matter oh. of fact, I really think he has another thing coming. But uh, they're already gearing up these various committees and stuff of what they're going to do. They're going to have their own trials on Hunter Biden and uh, all of this kind of stuff, you know, which means not a damn thing is going to get done. Now, I don't want that. And I have to believe that rational Republicans, and I'm assuming there's a few of them left, yeah. are going, I, I don't want this crap. That's not why I vote for people. I want my roads fixed. You know, I want uh, I want this. I want that. I want something done. I want this pandemic shit over with. You know, they want to see action on a number of fronts. Let's do something about inflation and gas prices. Well, guess what? We just did under a Democratic president. Right. Um, did I mention Target to you the other day? No. Okay. Everybody's been talking about inflation. And, and let's put the other thing, Alex Jones, aside for just a second, because I'll forget this if I don't jump on it. Okay. Okay. Uh, in, we, we're seeing the gas prices go down. On Wednesday, I paid $3.30 a gallon. Saved eleven dollars on a fill, a fill up from the week or from the month before because I drive a hybrid and I only fill it up once a month, and um, so the gas prices are coming down. That's not a problem. 
It'll, it, you know, slowly, but it's been every day. Right, right. That they've dropped a few pennies here, a few pennies there, but they're still dropping. So I go to Target the other day while my dog is at her spa day and, uh, I'm killing time and I'm, I'm white privilege. You got your dog in a fucking spa. <laughs> That's right. I do. <laughs> and she deserves it. <laughs> no so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going through target with my, uh, my cart and I, <clears throat> they always have back in the back at the, the end of the season, I got stuff on special, you know, so I'm looking, maybe there's some yard crap I can use back there, marked down or something. So I get back in the corner. Then I start going along the aisle at the back wall and I keep trying to turn right to get back into the main part of the store, but there's nothing but pallets in every aisle stacked to the ceiling with merchandise. So every one of these aisles is blocked and I, I'm cooling along and I, I just say out loud, good grief. And there's this clerk who's in the aisle there and he laughs and he says, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? He said, yeah, the, the dam broke. The stuff just came in, man. We, we're, we're working double shifts trying to get it on the shelves, and we got no place to put it. The warehouse is full. Uh, the uh, back area, the, the docks and everything is full of pallets back there. All of this stuff came in. So what does that mean? It means the price is going to drop real quick because they got to move this stuff. They can't store it. They can't uh, you know, clog up their aisles forever. They, they can't leave it sitting in the warehouse or on the dock. They got to move it. So, instead, you know, if they got 18 pallets of uh, dishwashing detergent, they're going to knock them down 50 cents to move that crap. And this is this is one target. It's, right. gonna, it's happening in all the targets. It's happening in the Walmarts. It's happening everywhere. By Election Day, I guarantee you that inflation is going to be a distant memory. Right. So if they're counting on that, they're really screwed well, yeah, exactly. And gas prices, too. The thing is, is that that they want to blame Joe Biden for inflation. But one of the main reasons you have inflation is supply and demand. You right. have a demand for a lot of stuff and you don't have a lot of stuff to sell. So whatever be, is available becomes a premium price because there's a limited amount. Uh, we right. know why that was occurring because of the supply chain issue because of COVID. Now, when COVID stopped, it didn't instantly go back to normal. It takes some time to do that. And now we're starting to see the benefits of the end of COVID and the supply chain running more normally. And I really believe, you know, if you believe in a higher power, I'm looking mm -hmm. at what's going on now and I'm thinking God has said, all right, I'm tired of fucking Trumplefucks. All right. Yep. We're going to have them do the stupidest shit they could possibly do. We're going to have them alienate all women and a lot of men over Roe v. Wade. We're going to have them alienate all veterans, all people with diabetes, all people of color, all LGBTQ people. We're going to do that. And then the one complaint that they have, we're going to time it so gas prices are dropping and inflation is dropping just as we hit the midterms. Now, all these people that will say to me, you know, the Republicans always win when there's a Democratic president. Please tell me how you can fucking make that up, how you can make that a reality uh, based on all those things. Everything is going against the Republicans. 
Exactly. And because it's not the Republicans that make that happen, it's the swing voters that make that happen. Because quite frankly, if a a presidential candidate is is depending only on the Republican vote, he's going to lose. Right. Seven of the last eight elections, the uh, Republicans lost the popular vote. So um, that means that they cannot elect anyone on their own. They have to have swing voters. So if things are, you know, usually what happens, you get a president in and he, he's got a very ambitious agenda that may or not, may not may or may not pan out or there's something that comes down the pike like a pandemic that nobody was counting on. So uh, after the first two years, people start looking and saying, well, this isn't going so well, so I'm going to send a message and vote for the other guy. And that's the swing voters I'm talking about, the people that aren't bought into a particular party or even a particular philosophy, for that matter. Right, right. They're, they're for themselves, and they're going to vote in, in a way that they see it might benefit them. So that's, that's what causes that turnover, right? Well, if everything's going great, it's not going to turn over. Well, no. I mean, you look at 2020. Donald Trump lost by 7 million votes. He got all the Democratic right. votes. He got all most of the swing votes and the suburban ladies and all this other stuff. He got that. And now we're looking at the possibility of maybe even normal Republican voters either not voting or voting toward Democrat because they can't align themselves with criminality and corruption. We don't need to switch over everybody that voted for Donald Trump. We only need a small percentage. And tell or me, just have them stay home. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, it just have them stay home. But tell me what happened between 2020 and now 2022 that made it better for the Republicans. Nothing. Everything's Nothing. been made to be worse for the Republicans. Exactly. So, so there's uh, no way. There's no way. I mean, my question isn't isn't whether the Democrats will maintain a majority in the House and the Senate. I believe they will do that. The question is, how much of a majority are they going to get? The Senate well, seems... I'm starting to... Yeah. Well, I mean, let's look at a couple of states, Georgia, Warnock and Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker doesn't have a prayer to beat Warnock. So we're going to nope. get the Georgia back. We'll have two blue senators in Georgia. Then you got Pennsylvania, Fetterman and Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz is getting his ass kicked, and even the Republicans are going, oh, fuck. So now we get that Senate seat. If we can pick up two or three Senate seats and maybe 10 people in the House, it's fucking over. Val Demings just pulled even with uh, Marco Rubio in Florida. Yeah, you know, Marco Marco Rubio is like a feckless piece of shit. He's an ass kisser, and he never really done anything that's of any value. That's why I see... You know, if if the Democrats continue pushing this, I mean, one one of the things um, that people say about Democrats is they don't have a killer instinct. Well, if there is ever time to get a killer instinct, it's right now because the fucking Republicans are on the run. You have everything in your favor. What you need to do is not only put them down, but put them down permanently. Exactly. And I'm begging, I am begging the progressives, Bernie, AOC, you guys, you gotta just cool it for a little bit. And then you push your agenda like hell after the midterms. Right. You can be as abrasive, you can be as in your face as you want to be after the midterms. Hold their feet to the fire for sure. Make them do the progressive things that need to be done. Because I'll tell you, everything is economics. 
everything. And right now we have a small group of people who have all the money and everybody else is trying to trying to split up what's left. And we can't do that anymore. We've got to start here with this uh, this tax that they have gotten through. Now, the Republicans are all they're saying is they're raising your taxes. They're raising your taxes. I don't know about you, Mike, but I generally take the standard deduction. And uh, and then I you know, I've got a couple of things I get interest on that I have to put in there and so forth. But it's a simple one page deal for me. Uh, My wife usually does it the night before it's due and we mail it. You know, we're not worried about the return. We get some money back usually, but we're not worried about it. And I'd say a large number of people are in that same boat. You know, uh, we're not making four hundred thousand dollars a year. And uh, nothing that's happening is going to have that much effect on us. But uh, um, the people who make over 400000 remember, this is a graduated thing, too. If you make $401,000, you're not going to be paying the same rate as Elon Musk. And that's the problem right now. Those big guys are getting away. And the corporations are getting away with paying nothing. Right. So we're making it up. For them. So we might get a tax cut simply because the fact that uh, they'll be rolling in money from the people who haven't paid anything in years. Right, exactly. And, and you know, I, I agree with you about the progressives. I hope that they understand this. Anytime you're going after something and you go out of your way and say, I want it all now, that's a sure way to fucking lose. I mean, it's like the Build Back Better bill. We wanted the whole Build Back Better bill passing. But that wasn't going to happen. So what they do is they cherry-pick pieces of it, and they get that passed. And you're probably saying, well, we didn't get everything. We're mad. But here's the fucking deal. By doing that cherry-picked Build Back Better bill, the inflation reduction bill, you get two things. You get something as opposed to nothing. And more importantly, you get the win for Joe Biden and the Democrats, which makes them stronger in the midterms. And then if you can just be fucking patient enough, Like you say, you get to the midterms, you win the midterms. Now progressives can hammer the fuck out of the the moderate Democrats. But you got to get to that point before you can do it. If you insist on it all now, you're putting yourself in a position to lose fucking everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's money in there for 80,000. 87,000, I believe it is, new IRS people. And uh, the the Republicans are all ringing the bell on this one, too. They're coming after you. They're lying. They're coming after you. Well, they can't come after me. Like I said, I take the standard standard deduction. Most people that uh, below (laughs) $400,000, there's nothing to get. If the uh, if the IRS comes and audits you, big deal, because there's nothing to see here, folks. It's simple. You know, we don't have all of these convoluted things that we're doing that that some lawyer came up with to try to hide half our income offshore or something. We don't have to worry about that crap. We can lay back and watch. It's the people who are making millions each year and who are doing it in ways that they should be paying a lot more taxes than they are. Those are the ones they're going after. You know, and uh, we just haven't had the main power, manpower. Every time the Republicans get in, they cut the IRS. Did you notice that? Yeah, it's yeah. true. It is. And, and you know, the thing about it is, is one of the reasons why you and I don't have to worry about being nabbed by the IRS for some crazy shit. 
because the Republicans over the last 30 years have taken every fucking write off away from us. We got nothing yeah. to write up. We have no choice but to do the the standard standard deduction. Yeah. I mean, I've looked at possibilities of ways I could maybe enhance my deductions. I can't. I got nothing. No. Yeah, you can't do medical anymore unless you have gigantic medical bills. I mean, we've looked at that before. You have to have like three grand worth of stuff before you can even begin. And uh, you don't have a housing deduction anymore in in large parts because it's part of the standard deduction. You know, the the standard middle class stuff just doesn't apply anymore. There's nothing there. It's not complicated. I remember back in the 80s, which you could write off the the interest on your fucking uh, on your credit cards. Yep. You know, taking that away is probably a good thing. I'd like to see more people get away from using credit cards because credit's a fucking scam. I don't care what anybody says. I I used to keep a log of my mileage and turn that in. Yeah, me too. You know, uh, I used to, um, what's the other thing I used to do religiously? Uh, Oh, what income average. You know, because if I had a a really good year, I'd average that out over five years. I did that several times and it made, you know, it made a difference. Can't do that anymore. Right. Uh, You know what? I'm on, I'm on a fixed income now. There's no way uh, that it makes any difference, but uh, that had pretty much been the case for a while. Let's just make people feel good. Uh, You're on a fixed income, but I'm pretty sure that Ed's not eating dog food. Uh, No, I'm taking my dog to the spa for God's sake. (laughs) All right. to fix doesn't mean low. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's right. Anyway, all right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. One of the many wins that uh, Joe Biden has had as of recently is the jobs reports. And uh, a few months back, the uh, Fox News, OAN, Newsmax, the Republicans were all taking in great joy in the likelihood that the jobs report would be bad. Well, then it came out and it was good. And it's been good since that point. But in this last one, Fox News was on the air saying, oh, we're in a recession. One guy said it's going to be 250,000 jobs, uh, and that's bad. And another guy that he was talking to said, no, it's going to be more like 100,000. We're in a recession. And the guy says, you really think we're in a recession? He says, I know we're in a recession. Now, they're just setting themselves up for failure like they always do. Of course, the jobs report comes out, and it's 528,000 new jobs, which is far more than Donald Trump created in fucking four years of being president. And they dropped the unemployment rate to 3.5%. So now, now what are they saying? They're saying, oh, that's too fast. It's too hot, an economy. (laughs) They've got something negative no matter what happens. They were going to rip them if it was low, and they are going to rip them if it's high. These people are just gaslighting you motherfuckers. Absolutely, because number one, the people uh, who really understand economics are probably, I can count them on, four fingers of one hand <laughs> because nobody agrees totally. And there's all these different schools and one gets prominence every now and then. And sometimes it's a wacko, uh, which is yeah. what it was with uh, Reagan and uh, the supply side crap, you right. know, which was never anything other than a scam, but uh, it's still in there. They still talk about how the job creators, you have to cut taxes on the job creators who don't create a damn job. 
what they do is take the money and stick it in an offshore account or do stock buybacks uh, or something like that with it. They never create a single damn job. Right. Jobs are created by economic activity, by supply and demand, just like they always have been. Right. They're the classic economic model. Now I hear them whining and saying, well, people are having to work more than one job. And I know, Mike, you and I both worked more than one job most of our, our lives. While we were doing morning radio yeah. uh, in the afternoon, I was driving a courier truck or else I was doing, uh, I, in various times, I was a security manager for an art museum. I was, uh, and, and then I started doing voiceovers and uh on-camera commercials, and I pretty much let the other stuff slide. But that was still another job. And I was doing theater at night, um, you know, maybe three or four times a year. So, you know, I had all of these different irons in the fire. And I think most people are that way, too. In order in the modern economy to function right, you sometimes have to put in a little extra effort. Well, you do. When you're raising kids and everything's expensive and you're juggling money. I mean, for me, what I was doing in between times – because I worked a split shift because I was a traffic reporter. I was there from six to nine and three to seven. So from that nine to uh, three period, I was doing another job. Granted, it was my own created job in the fact, in the fact that I was brokering different kinds of products and stuff like that. But I hustled during those five hours in the middle of the day to make extra money because I needed it. Cause frankly, yeah. um, the money we were being made we were making at, at the radio station at the time was okay, but certainly not. I, I, I think we were worth more than that and they did everything they could to pay us less. And when we did get to a point where we were getting paid a little bit more, of course they tried to run us out. So you had to work that second job in order to maintain a lifestyle for you and two or three or four kids. Yeah, well, the, the way it was explained to me was when we were hired, uh, we worked for a school district who had a radio station, and we were allowed to pretty much create that radio station from the ground up, and we did a damn good job of it. But when they hired us, they had to put us in a union, so they yes. looked around for the very cheapest union they could find, and that was the clerk's union. They put us in there, and very quickly we rose to the top of that union, and the only way we could get a salary bump was to either A, do a job study where they look at an entire industry and try to match you up with uh, what a standard industry is. Which they didn't they want to do. They didn't want no. to do that because they know they'd lose. And they did <laughs> <laughs> to a certain extent. But then you have to go with incremental raises. And uh, basically, we, we were still in the clerk's union. So if they got a 2% raise, that's what we got. Right. right, right. So right. even though a lot of our contemporaries, the other news directors in town, were making, uh, you know, probably almost double what I was making, depending on the station, of course. And uh, traffic reporters, uh, the year competition was a private company, if I remember right. It wasn't right. Right. Mundell had his own company or something. Well, see, that's one of the reasons that they uh, uh, were able to push me out, because theoretically because i was a traffic reporter working for the minneapolis public schools i was pretty much the only guy with that job position yep. so i didn't have i mean i had a union but they had no clout for me because i'm the only guy you take what you get or shut the fuck up and of course yeah i was the only news director in the minneapolis right. public schools you so, know, so 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 they want to loop you in or put you in with the the clerks, which made no sense to me because we weren't clerks, 
Um, no. And nothing against clerks. People have their jobs and they do what they did. The problem is they picked the clerks union because, like you said, it was the cheapest one and the the way they could get a, get get away with paying us less money. Um, but once we kind of did expand our focus and we had some success, then they kind of pushed us out into our own little descriptions where nobody right. else had that description, which right. really put us at risk. Yeah, we had we had we had nobody, nobody to back us up. No. You go on strike, you're it, buddy. <laughs> yeah. 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 No shit. No shit. How much is in the strike fund? I don't know well, what you got in your pocket. <laughs> well, and, and 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 I got in trouble because of a strike one time. And and as you know, I'm 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 not only one of these people that says that but lives by it. I don't give a fuck. I worked in a uh, Department of Transportation office, okay? And uh, this Department of Transportation office is where I did the broadcast from. Well, at some point, the Department of Transportation folks went on strike. So what do I do? I'm not on strike. Yeah. Right. Our Our station is under contract to the Department of Transportation. I'm getting paid. Do I not go in and get nothing for my help or my work or helping them to to make this tougher. It's not making it tougher on fucking the Department of Transportation. It was making it tougher on my school, right. uh, the, the school district who was paying me. But if I go by the wayside, uh, they're going to get mad at me. So I had to cross the picket line to go in and do my job, which was justified because I didn't work for the Department of Transportation, but yet I was crossing a picket line. Now, for the right. most part, that didn't impact things because people understood the thing. But there were a few people in that place never talked to me again. And you know what? Don't give a fuck. They weren't yeah. that great of people in the fucking first place. Exactly. I mean, yeah, there's always gray areas, right? But uh, the the point is, the economy is doing better, but it may take a while. And if you have to pick up another job, go ahead and do it. You won't die. Like I say, uh, you know, instead of eight hours a day, I was working 12. Okay, well, it wasn't like I was breaking a sweat, you know. I mean, I'm I'm on air. I'm doing some production work at the radio station. Maybe I go out and cut a few commercials at at, at a a different place, or, or or go out in the country and shoot a commercial somewhere, or something like that. Or else I'm on the courier truck dropping off packages, whatever. I'm not really busting my hump here. Well, yeah, but I'm making ends meet. Well, and you know the thing is, when they bring this up, well, they have to use, they have to work two jobs. They're shitting on themselves again. Why do people have to work two jobs? Because yeah. because of the minimum wage being the way it is, and we know the Republicans don't like the minimum wage. How about this? You really are worried about people working more than one job? How about just pay everybody a fucking living wage? That's it. And, and uh, you know, and, they're, and, they're 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 carping about fifteen dollars. That's ten dollars low. Sorry, it is ten dollars low. And they said, "Oh, we'd be broke if we had to pay fifteen dollars." Well, now that there's a shortage of people working in Arby's and Burger King and stuff like that, they're paying fifteen, sixteen, seventeen dollars, sometimes more. Why? Because they have to. Are they going broke? Guess what? No, they're flourishing. Yeah. See, this is the thing here. There is this. On the business side and in politics, especially in conservative circles, there's this idea that profit is this sort of sacred thing. I mean, it's like the 
choirs of angels sing every time somebody says the word prophet or something. It's just part of the economic equation, okay? You've got, you've got labor, and you've got material cost, and you've got transportation cost, and you put all that together, and you, you set a price, and when it's all said and done, if you make enough to clear a profit, then great, you're in business. But that profit, it doesn't have to be set in stone, because you made $200,000 profit last year. This year, may you may have settled for 150. You know, next year you may jack it all the way up to 500. It varies and so forth. But there's this feeling in the business community that profit should always go up, always, always, always. And in order to do that, maybe you reduce your labor force, cut off your nose despite your face, right? right? Well, we'll just get more work out of the people that's left. Well, maybe you will, but your product will suffer. Your deadlines will suffer. Everything will suffer if you're trying to get more work, more blood from that same turnip, if you will. But if you pay people, if you make them feel appreciated, if you make them part of the the uh, the equation, an equal part of the equation, you'll be surprised at how innovative they will become, and they will do their very most, utmost to make sure that profit margin continues to go. But only because you're treating them fairly not because you're whipping them. Well, what do people do when they're in a job that they like and they feel feel like they're they're doing something and gaining something and there's a future involved and they're making money? What do people do with those jobs? They fucking protect those jobs. They protect yes. themselves and they protect the jobs. Now, as much as as much as profit is important, much of that profit is based on our labor. So it's like saying, okay, our profit is more valuable than your commodity, which is labor, which is bullshit. If you start a company and you can't pay 15 people, $15 an hour to people, you got a fucked up business model. You shouldn't even be going into business. Well, this is the point. I mean, you know, I, I don't understand why they don't realize why so many businesses fail. I'll give you an example. Uh, here in my little town, uh, there was a place that opened up and they served Chicago deep dish pizza and Chicago style hot dogs. Right. Right. And uh, which I was great because I love myself a good uh, Chicago dog. Right. But right. Uh, but uh, they had never run a restaurant before. And they uh, you had to call by five o'clock if you wanted a pizza by eight. <laughs> because they would back up so much. Right. And uh, just generally, they were just terrible, and it went out of business. Well, then uh, I noticed this hoagie place had come in, so I decided to try it out. So I go in there. An hour and a half later, I leave with two sandwiches because it was their, their – uh, they had three people working, and then they had uh, uh, a couple of large group come come in, and then they were screwed because they could not keep up with it. They hadn't thought it through. And, you know, I'm betting they were only paying those three people minimum wage or maybe they were even family. Right. I don't know. It seems like they've kind of gotten their act together a little bit and hired some more people so they might make it. But uh, if you if you haven't done your homework, if you don't realize that you've got to you've got to have a certain amount of money to carry you for a while. But you, if you can pay people a living wage and make them a part of it. If they buy into it, if if the working conditions are such and they're being they're getting the remuneration they need, they'll stay with you forever and you will have a very successful operation. But if you're looking to exploit people, you don't need to be in business, period. 
And, and you, you know, I tell this story. There was a kid I went to high school with, uh, and he was kind of a nerdy little kid. He wasn't, you know, wasn't picked on, but he wasn't popular. And he's, he, he got a job at White Castle. Okay. Mm-hmm. And White Castle is, I love White Castle, but you know, it's a place people shit on all the time. And so he's working there, you know, working behind the counter, doing whatever he's doing. And, uh, I think his name is Russ. And, and so he's working there and he got shit for working there. And then you graduate and everybody goes their way and does what they do. <laughs> and, and, and every once in a while you run across somebody who you went to school with. They go, oh, well, what are what they're doing now? Well, this motherfucker is now the executive vice president of White Castle, making a shitload of money, traveling all over the world, has a big-ass house and a big-ass boat. I mean, possibilities are out there for anyone. You never know what path you're going to take. You just get on the path. If it works out, great. Then if it doesn't, you take another fucking path. But I, I, I've experienced this whole thing. And the problem with with with, with employers and employee employees right now is there are some employers that say, there's a bunch of money. I want it all. I want right. it all. And that will work contrary to what you want your business to run like. I had this experience when I was doing brokering. I would have somebody selling something they want the fucking world for it. They want a ridiculous price. Then we get a buyer who wants to pay zero for it. Now, there yeah. is no way these two are ever going to come together because their mindset is totally the opposite. So my job was to come in and sit down with a guy uh, who wants the world for his product and say, no, fuck you. You need to be reasonable about this if you hope to sell it. Well, no, I think it's worth it. I go, I don't care what you think it's worth. Do you want to fucking do a deal or do you not? Because if you're going to keep it at that range, I'm not going to fucking deal with you. You can do it on your own. And you wouldn't be coming to me if you could do it on your own. Same thing. This guy doesn't want to pay anything. I said, look, man, I know you're going to make money on this thing. The idea that you want to pay nothing because of your fucking ego. Sorry, I'm not dealing with you. Fuck yourself. That was the funny thing. I'm in business and I'm talking to customers on both sides. I spend every day telling people to fuck themselves. But what it made them think and saying, look, am I better off uh, uh, um, um, easing up on my ego or just not doing a deal? Well, they're greedy motherfuckers, too, so they want to get the deal done. But I had to wrestle with these people to come to terms, reasonable terms for both sides where both sides win. And and that's a problem we have with employers. They think they're the gods and you're the peons and we can do whatever the fuck we want. And then they bitch about nobody wants to work. Well, if you can't get people to work at your fucking company, you're fucking up. Exactly. And uh, that's the thing. I mean, during the pandemic, a lot of people... Uh, probably primarily your age, probably Mike. They were thinking, well, I'll like I was going to work till I'm 70. And then the pandemic comes and you're home and you're going, Hey, you know, this ain't so bad. Maybe I'm just going to take my retirement now. So we right. had a huge number of people who did just that. Absolutely. They said, I'm done. I'm done. You know, this, I've got enough. I can with social security and my pension, what I've got saved up, I'll be just fine. See y'all. Right. And um, um, so then there's all these jobs that paid pretty well that opened up. People got moved up. There were other opportunities that were created. So a lot of those folks who were working those minimum wage jobs got better jobs and they just moved on. So, right. the, you know, the Wendy's and the McDonald's are going, well, we can pay you 11 bucks an hour. And he's 
you know, they're going, no, we're making $23 an hour now. So uh, uh, you're going to have to do better than that if you want to keep me. And uh, that's why they're uh, that's why they're hurting so much. They weren't uh, they weren't able to come up with that money because those openings occurred and uh, they they still haven't filled those openings either. No, and hell no. And the thing is, the Republicans will tell you people are just lazy. They don't want to work. Well, people aren't just sitting around making zero money struggling they they've come up with some other options and you know mm-hmm. the thing about people my age or even your age um we are baby boomers and the baby boomers make up about 70 million people in this country we are now seeing the effects of baby boomers retiring yep. but there's a fucking lot more this whole situation's not going to get better as far as as far as people to work. So now's the time you better fucking change up your attitude. Now you're in competition for these employees. Now you better start behaving like that. You've been the Kings, the dictators for all these years, but no more. If you can't get people to work for you, you're out of business. And if that's your attitude, you should be out of business. Yeah, I know. I I like to give people this little anecdote too. Now, excuse me. I, uh, you remember Kmart, I don't know if they're still around or not. I don't think they are. I, I think don't they think folded. They well, uh, you know, they were they were in the catbird seat there for a long time before Walmart, uh, you know, kind of blew them out of the water. But the, the, what really hurt them, and it, they did the same thing at Sears, and eventually I think Sears was bought up by Kmart or the other way around. Yeah. And they both – uh, they were both uh, both bought up by a hedge fund, I think is what it was. But anyway um, – I started noticing a decline in Kmart. You would go in and where once they were, you know, they had the blue light specials. There were a lot of people. They were really, you know, they were wearing their vest and they were all over the place. And if you needed help, there was somebody there. Well, I'm looking around. There's nobody there. There's stuff sitting in the aisles. There's stuff piled up. It's dirty. Doesn't like it's been swept in weeks and so forth. I found out what they did is they got rid of everybody who'd been there uh, who was over the age of 50. Right. Yeah. They got rid of the people who knew how to make it work. And then they, they promoted uh, these, uh, you know, part time kids who had been working there after school and stuff, made them managers. They had no idea how to do it. So the whole thing fell apart and uh, people started going to, to other places and so forth. The, the, and then the, they got down so low, the hedge fund could come in and buy them up. And all a hedge fund ever does, they're like locusts. They come in and they suck out the marrow of the bones and then they leave. Yeah. And uh, the whole thing crumbles. We've seen that with Sears, with J.C. Penny, with uh, uh, Penny's kind of bounced back a little bit, I guess. But with Kmart and so many others where they just come in and destroy the company and move on. And, you know, uh, go when, ahead. When, when, when I retired, I was like 57, 58 years old, something like that. Okay. 57. Um, and I wouldn't have retired till I was 60 given the option, but I wasn't given that option. So, uh, when I retired at 57, the mindset of people of our age at that time was, well, who's going to fucking hire us? They want the young guys who or young women who get paid less and they can kind of mold them and stuff. And that was true that anybody over 50 really wasn't a fit in the economy the way it was. But now, now we have a different story because they're so desperate for people. Now people over 50 do have some options if they want to still work. And uh, I think this is good news for them because pretty much people over 50 were throwaways. Uh, Certainly when, when I retired, that was the attitude, but that 
dramatically changed with this COVID and this whole great resignation and all this kind of stuff. So I'm hoping for those folks that are younger than us that still want to work, they're going to find opportunities other than being a fucking greeter at Walmart. Well, I I hope so too. I think the next big thing that has to be addressed and, uh, Maybe uh, maybe Kristen Cinema will uh, uh, will still lose her uh, her her shit because I really do think they have to go after these hedge fund managers. I think they have to go after hedge funds and private equity uh, and break them up. Just to take Teddy Roosevelt's big sis big stick and start bashing all of these things and most corporations too. Make them stick to one area. You say you. You, you can't uh, own a, an auto company and a TV network and, you know, seven right. other things. You know, right. you concentrate. We're going to break you up um, because that's one thing they have to do. But the big thing, the big thing is housing, because I don't know about where you are, but here there's no housing um, yeah. there. And what there is, is uh, is inflated price wise. Rents are insane. They, uh, um, I mean, I pay, I have a very small mortgage because I, I, I won't go into all of the financial dealings that I did, but I did take a small, more, a small mortgage, even though I could have paid the house off because it's, it's, it's minimal. Most people around here pay more in rent than I do on my mortgage. Oh yeah. Maybe double, maybe double what I pay. And I'm talking a one bedroom shitty apartment. And um, this is rural America here. Cities, it's much worse. There well, is there is just no housing, and what there is is ra- outrageously expensive. And um, buying a house is insane too. It's going to get. I mean, you know the uh, the mortgage rates haven't been that bad, but the houses themselves have gone up just tremendously to the point where they're kind of ridiculous. And something's got to give. I, I believe the housing market's starting to slip a little bit, I think. It is. But it's going to have to slip a whole lot more because people just need places. That's why we have a homeless problem. Uh, people can't afford rent. Well, just I can tell you, based on experiences, I've had a son uh, who was renting. And uh, if you want to get a decent one-bedroom apartment in the metro area here of the Twin Cities, it's at least fifteen hundred bucks. That's what yeah, I was paying see, for a mortgage. Uh, yeah, and then mine was much less than that. I think my mortgage was like eight hundred. You yeah. know, in the Twin Cities, and uh, you know, we uh, we uh, when we moved here, of course, we uh, we got about three times the house, a much much bigger lot, and uh, and it's attached to a park, so we own a park as well. well and uh, you know the um, or we control a park, I should say. We have the view, yeah. and um, and uh, I can walk my dog in at any time I want, so forth. But uh, you know, I I went from being okay middle class to being almost rich here because there's no state income tax. All of the taxes are much lower, and um, for me, I'm in a good spot. But if I were renting and working a, an average job, I w- I don't know. I don't know if I could afford housing. Yeah, you basically, by moving to Tennessee, you accomplished the same thing <laughs> people did by moving to Mexico or Thailand or some shit. You exactly. Were able, yeah, because you were, you know, the, the cost of living there 
is is much easier than than other places certainly here than here in minneapolis st paul but you know i think that's what people have to recognize right now what's going on with the republicans all we're doing is get getting their foot off our throats but once we get the foot off our throats we still have a lot of things to fix and we're going to have to count on the democrats to do it and i don't know that we can but we've got to change the whole narrative about how people live in this country People need to be paid what they deserve to be paid. They need to have housing. They need to have medical. They need to have all this shit at a point where they can afford to do it. If they can't, then this fucking society is a failure. Exactly. And it is a failure right now. And it's a failure because in the late 70s, American business decided, we're just not going to give people what they're worth. Right. You know, we're stopping it right here because there's been no substantial increase in the minimum wage since the late 70s. I mean, uh, food and uh, cars and houses and everything else has increased exponentially, and the minimum wage has stayed the same. Yeah, it, that's uh... untenable. It's that it's just untenable, period. I mean, I can remember my father was a truck driver and he made six cents a mile when I was a kid, but he was able to put food on the table, a roof over our heads, and we had a decent car. You know, we didn't do, we didn't, uh, we weren't extravagant or anything like that, but we were able to live on that margin. Once he got the union, he did very much better. And we had a much better house and much better, two cars, and, you know, we, had the American dream going, but that's what needs to happen. We need that jump from six cents a mile to a union job where he had much better work, working conditions instead of being gone for six days in a row, basically working 24 hours a day, grabbing six, four to six hours sleep in a day somewhere and uh, probably popping a few pills once in a while to keep it going. Uh, he was able to, you know, he was essentially working an eight-hour day. He was driving to uh, um, um, Ypsilanti, Michigan, staying overnight and coming back, you know, right, with right. Uh, with a partner, <laughs> with a partner. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that that's the difference. And well, he was making four times the amount of money. We can we can determine how how well off you were when you you grew up in the fifties and sixties. And you lived in a small town, relatively small town, the town you're in right. now, uh, yep. in Tennessee. Okay. Yep. Let me ask you this. Your house, when you were growing up, did you have any kind of furniture or appliances on the porch? Uh, <laughs> no, actually, we did not. Well, then you were rich. Yes. Yes. No, we didn't have coming. a cell phone on the lawn or anything. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and, and this as much as this is a very trying time and there's a lot of drama, a lot of trauma, a lot of problems and stuff, the one thing I feel good about all this stuff with the criminality and the corruption coming up um, and, and, the, and the financial aspects of this world and what people are getting paid, in spite of the fact that it's a really tough time right now and there's a lot of shit that's making us stressed out, I think the good part of this is because a lot of this stuff has been going on for decades. Now it's been brought to the surface. Now it can finally be dealt with. Nobody can deny it. And we can get a fix to some, if not all of these things. So the fact that we're in this position now, as much as people want to say, woe was me, I think this is a good thing because now we know there's no question about it. Now these things have to be addressed and have to be fixed. Absolutely. 
And, uh, uh, you know, back when I was growing up, I knew people whose fathers worked in stores, you know, retail stores on commission, and they did just fine. They were able yeah. to raise it. The, the wife stayed home. The husband, you know, worked as a shoe clerk, <laughs> but they did fine. They had houses. They had cars. They went on vacation. You yeah. know, this was this was the the name of the game because prices weren't outrageous and uh, people were uh, they were able to because they were commissioned workers. They were able to pretty much write their own ticket to a certain extent. Right. Well, so, you know, because of the stagnation of income and we know that income has stagnated and because of the outrageousness of how prices grew. I mean, when you went to college or even I went to college, it was vastly different than kids going to college. Now for you to go to a four year college and have to pay $80,000 in loans for that is that it never fucking happened. I mean, I think I paid for a semester in college. It was maybe 12, 13, 1400 bucks, which is reasonable. Even then it was relatively reasonable. It was a lot, but it wasn't crazy. Now what's happening between, between the stagnation uh, of income, which has been there for decades, and the crazy amount of credit that's been offered and the crazy amount of interest that's being charged, they basically made us all indentured servants servants or 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 enslaved us in this pit where we can't get out of because we don't make enough money, and just to top it off, we've got this 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 credit that's pushing us down constantly. This is what we've got to break out of. This is what we've got to stop. And hopefully we're in the process of doing that. Yeah. Well, let me, let me just give you my story. Okay. end of, uh, end of high school, I'm senior in high school. I got no money. I can go take out loans to go to college or I decided I don't want to do that. Right. So I'm 17 years old. I graduate. I can't do anything. I mean, I could get a, I could get a very minimum wage job. I mean, I had worked at a grocery store for a buck an hour, that kind of stuff. But come December, I got a factory job making $1.75 an hour. That's what I started at. I worked that factory job until September of the following year, and I saved up about five grand. I quit. I went to college. They let me come back each summer for three months. And uh, I got a little bit more each year, but that, and uh, I had a work study job building sets in the theater department. It paid me $80 a month. I was able to go all the way through college and didn't know a dime when right. I got out. I had a, a BA, BA degree, uh, didn't know a penny, um, wound up going in the army for three years, got out used the GI Bill to go back to trade school, well, to Brown Institute, uh, to get my radio credential and, and got into radio with, uh, the, you know, the theater background actually helped some yeah, of sure. that. But uh, um, I didn't owe a dime for my education. Now, kids cannot do that. The best you can do, unless, you know, unless your family's well off or you get a scholarship, which is still a possibility, I suppose, especially athletic ones. But um, unless unless you have those special circumstances, you're going to be about sixty, eighty thousand dollars in debt for just a basic bachelor's degree. And that's insane. Yeah. And then you're going to get that bachelor's degree for which you owe eighty thousand dollars. And they're going to say you only qualify for a thirty thousand dollar year job. Now, yep. I'm not a financial wizard. 
but that is not a good financial investment. And I'm, I'm questioning whether four-year college degrees are really going to survive this whole thing because nowadays you can get certifications or trade school type things. The four-year college has pretty much priced them out of the market. Uh, yeah, and uh, there, there's there's so much awful stuff going on in education. In Florida, they're letting non-certified people become teachers, veterans. I think they have to be uh, with no uh, no teacher training at all, and, and different things like that. But uh, uh, I personally think they're just trying to destroy the public schools. But anyway, um, you're right. There has to be. I would I would say cancel two years of college because the first two years are just a rerun of high school anyway for the most part go straight into your major as a junior uh, get your degree and then um you can you can uh, do graduate school for two years if you know get a jd degree or whatever you need to get to get a professional degree so you do it all in four years instead of six well, you know, I, I, I think our higher education and and our health care are in the same boat. They've gotten greedy. They've raised the prices to ridiculous levels. And, and the only difference between education and, and health care is that you need health care to fucking survive. You don't need a right. college degree to survive. Uh, I don't have a college degree. Granted, I grew up in a different time, but... But uh, nowadays, there are kids getting these certifications and getting these trade school things. Uh, but I think education's in trouble because they're not providing anything in return close to what they're asking to be paid. Healthcare is a different story because it's an essential to us. We've got to have it to survive, you know, whether it be diabetes or some traumatic accident or something like that. So, but they're both in that same point. They both got real fucking greedy and they started raising prices to doing this to such a crazy level. Absolutely. And it's not that they're paying the personnel more. I mean, no, I mean, uh, uh, professors aren't making that much more money and their adjunct professors don't make anything at all. Literally, some of them are not paid. Um, so, uh, this, this is insane. Where is the money going to, uh, in colleges and universities? Well, there are no colleges left. Everything's a friggin' university now, which right. is bullshit. They're just, they just changed the name. <laughs> right. You know? Right. But, uh, I don't know what happened so that the cost has gone up so much. I know the salaries have not gone up because I know people who teach in colleges and they're not wealthy people for the most part. Um, there's probably a lot of colleges that don't even need to exist. The, uh, a lot of programs that don't need to exist. I mean, do you, uh, there are certain, um, what do I want? Specializations, I guess, uh, certain majors and so forth. It could probably be rolled into something more general. And then you could do deeper research on your own if you wanted in grad school or something. But it's uh, we need a kind of uh, they even had a name for it at the University of Minnesota. It didn't work out so well, I don't think. But it was called commitment to focus. And I think that was the idea was they were going to save money by uh, uh, some, you know, cutting out some of the slack and so forth. Well. They never got around to it. Right. But, but, uh, uh, definitely universities cost more than they should. But, uh, student loans are ridiculous. The amount of, uh, 
interest and the, having them be able to be sold and resold and so forth. So you pay for 40 years and you owe more than you started with. Uh, there's something insane going on there. And I'm not sure what it is because I'm not directly involved, but it's crazy. Well, hopefully we're going to see Joe Biden and the Democrats do something to forgive the loans. The idea that forgiving 10 grand is going to do any great things. That's bullshit. That's just a fucking non-starter. You got, you got to look to the future and you got to look to the economy and we can't enslave these kids. Otherwise we won't have a fucking economy. I mean, I'll tell you just quickly, we're going to have to wrap it up here in a minute, but, um, I had to go to the doctor, and I've talked about this on the podcast before. I have a cataract in one of my eyes. I know this because I had a cataract in the other eye that I'd taken care of a long time ago. I've got health insurance, which I pay a lot of money for, and I call them up, and I said, look, man, I, I need to get looked at for this cataract. And they said, well, we have to give you an eye test first. I don't, yeah. give, a, I don't give a fuck. Day before I go in to get the eye test, they said, look, man, your uh, eye test is going to be $650. I go, what? I have a copay of like 70, which is a lot, but you're telling me I have to pay 650. Why? And they said, well, that's, that's what your insurance covers that for, st- they don't cover standard eye tests. They don't cover standard eye test for anybody over 20. Really, motherfucker. Now I got to look at that. And they said, but if this is a diagnostic test, meaning it's going to turn into something medical, then you would pay the copay. Okay. I said, well, I know I have cataracts. Yeah, but we don't know that till we see it. I said, so what's happening here? Do I come in, pay you $600 and hope to God you'll pay me it back when you find out it's diagnostic? Fortunately, they, they worked with the situation and they said, no, you're going to come in and when it's done, then you'll have to pay what you pay. You feel pretty confident it's a cataract? I said, well, I can't see out of my left eye, so I'm guessing it's something. (laughs) So I go in there, and and they check it out, and I was right. It was a cataract, and they charged me the 70 bucks. But my point is, I did a lot of running around when that happened. I called the insurance company. I didn't get any help. I called Minsure. I didn't get any help. I called the clinic back, and finally we were able to work it out after talking about it. But this is something they could have told me in the beginning. Yeah. My problem is there's a lot of people that don't have the wherewithal that I do or the uh, or, or the tenacity to go after these people. And they're just going to walk in and pay that 600 bucks. And you know who's going to say something to support them? Fucking nobody. Right. And, that, and that's the problem with the system. They take advantage of people who don't know any better. Right. Exactly. And that, um I just noticed this online one day. Um, I belong to a lot of different groups on Facebook, you know, locally, especially yeah. that, uh, uh, and the people were, were talking about copays and I, somebody mentioned that they had, um, they were, the doctor wanted them to have some sort of surgery, but they, they couldn't do it because the copay was too grand and they couldn't afford, they couldn't come up with the two grand to have this surgery that the doctor insisted that they needed. And other people started chiming in. And there were like 40 people before it was all said and done who were waiting on surgery, saving up the copay. They could afford, quote, health insurance, but they all of these health insurance uh, policies required massive copays for quote, elective surgeries or, or different kinds of surgeries or procedures and that sort of thing. And, you know, you, you don't read, you can't read the fine print on everything. You know, do you sit down with your uh, um, 
every year when you get your new uh, insurance thing and see what's changed. I try to, but I'll be honest with you, I fade after a while. Um, and now uh, when I had uh, my surgery last year, I got a call the day before the surgery and uh, they said, they told me your portion is going to be this amount. Could you make a payment on that before the surgery? I said, I'll pay it off. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You know, I yeah. mean, I'm in a position where I can do that, but someone else would not have been able to. And then I they mean, wouldn't I, have got the surgery. No, they would have had to backed out of the surgery. It, it happened to be three grand. Yeah. Uh, you know, the surgery itself, all of this, everything included was $84,000. I thought I've, I got off pretty well, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. paying three grand. But uh, there was a time in my life I, I certainly would not have been able to come up with three grand out of nowhere. Hell no. You know, hell no. And, and the people that are working around here in, in a lot of the jobs that I see, you know, they if they don't have three grand in the bank, you know, they're trying to make it till Tuesday. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we're going to have to wrap things up, but I want to mention something. I just saw this come up on Twitter. I'm not a Twitter maven like you are, but uh, my brother sent this to me in a text. And it's uh, from a Twitter account that if you don't follow, I have a feeling you're going to want to follow because the name of the Twitter account is uh, Muller, she wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. I'm actually following. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, apparently, you know, there, there's been a, a problem with Donald Trump, a commercial real estate firm held in contempt of court for failing to hand over records on appraisals, which is what the New York attorney general is going after with Donald Trump. He's overinflating values and under undervaluing properties to benefit him, either in taxes, insurance or or uh, uh, or uh, taxes, insurance or just real estate in general. Um, so. They were uh, found in contempt of court. Now, this company, Cushman and Wakefield, just delivered over 36,000 documents to the New York Attorney General in the Trump investigation. <laughs> well, that, that could be good or bad. I mean, in the business, they call it information dump, and they hope you won't find what you're looking for because they put everything they can possibly find in there. Yeah. Um, but that's why, you know, that's why Biden's getting 87,000 IRS agents so we they can deal with that kind of stuff. Hopefully, I know the DOJ hired a shitload of new attorneys. Right. So they're they're probably opening those boxes right now. Well, th now this is going to the New York Attorney General. And what we oh, know okay. of Letitia James. Yeah. You think Letitia James going to miss a fucking lick? No, no, she's going to be going through that motherfucker until she finds everything. She wants to nail Donald Trump because he's a fucking criminal. So that's good well, to that's, know. It is good to know. There's so many things coming at him. There's Georgia. There's New York. There is the uh, the January 6th. There, there's um, a D.C. Yeah, there's DC. a D.C. one. Yeah, so he's fucked. Somebody, and, somebody's going to get him eventually. Yeah, no question about it. All right, we've gone over time as we technically do, but there is no overtime because this is a show. We do what the fuck we want. So I get paid more though, right? Uh, no, no, oh. you get paid just <laughs> yeah. as much as I do for doing this show. Oh, fact, okay. I'll pay you double what I get paid for doing this show. <laughs> that sounds fair. Uh, but uh, um, anyway. Uh, we'll talk more about this, and we've got other things we'll talk about. Uh, so we'll, you and I will connect up this week and do some more shows. But I thank you for spending the time today to do this. 
You betcha. All right. Hope all you folks have a great day, and uh, we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.